Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome if you're on the East Coast in the afternoon, if you're on the West Coast in the morning. I'm Patricia Raskin. Today we're talking about emotional sobriety, particularly for women, and how does our heart recover from people who struggled and found hope and found healing. My guest is Beverly Conyers. She's an editor and freelance writer who lives in New England. She's the author of Addict in the Family, Stories of Loss, Hope, Recovery, and Everything Changes, Help for Families of Newly Recovering Addicts. And her new book is The Recovering Heart, Emotional Sobriety for Women. Beyond the physical and biological effects that have all taken a toll on those in recovery from addiction, a wide range of emotions can begin to emerge even after sobriety takes hold. Often these feelings, until now, were either suppressed or dealt with by self-medicating with alcohol or other drugs. Women new to sobriety are especially prone to this emotional turmoil, and according to Beverly Conyers and her new book, The Recovering Heart, Emotional Sobriety for Women. We must address it in order to grow and flourish. Welcome, Beverly. Thank you so much, Patricia. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much. Why did you, I mean, you've written two other books on the subject. Why did you decide to write this book especially for women? Well, I originally got the idea for the book because I have a friend who's um, in recovery and who ended up in a very um, abusive relationship. And so that started me wondering, you know, why was she vulnerable to uh, someone who would abuse her as he did and take advantage of her? What was going on? So I thought I'd write about relationships uh, for women in recovery. But once I started doing some research and talking to other women, I realized I couldn't really write about relationships in a vacuum, that I really had to look at the whole person, you know, who do we think we are, what do we think we deserve in life, how worthy do we feel, and what kind of skills do we have, you know, for developing healthy relationships. So now, it became a much bigger topic. Well, what's interesting for me is that you talk about how a lot of these women have already dealt with the addiction, mm-hmm. they're no longer actively an addict. They're mm-hmm. sober and drug-free, mm-hmm. and that destructive lifestyle is fading, and you're in recovery, but many times you're not happy. Why? Right. right. Um, 
Based on the conversations I had with a lot of women, I think a lot of women who are in recovery were very damaged as children. Mm. I think a lot of, for a lot of women, you know, they're in a lot of pain and then the addiction happens. So that Mm. pain is a part of them. And, um, you know, whether they had abusive parents or neglectful parents or whatever caused that early pain, um, once they were, once they began using substances to mask that pain, they never dealt with it. Yeah, and so now it's coming up later. Yes, exactly. And and let me ask you this. Can that also happen when people become workaholics or um, any other kind of love addicts so that they focus so much on that that they mask the pain as well rather than substance? Absolutely. Um, There's a, a section in the book where I talk about behavioral addictions, um, you know, shopping, sex, uh, working too much, these kinds of things we do to distract ourselves and escape that pain mm. because it's too hard to deal with. Mm. And so those those behaviors are, are yeah. a substitute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I usually don't share personal, but I do want to share this because I think it's very relevant to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I am, um, I, well, I lost my parents a couple of years ago. My, my father two years ago, he died at 95. And we were very, very close. Not Uh always, he was a tough cookie and there was a lot of kind of emotional abuse in ways, but we were also very attached. Uh And so when he passed, you know, I was, you know, really I had had him so many years. And so for the first year, which was last year, I I just went to work like a banshee. I mean, Uh I was, I didn't have a minute to spare and everything was fine. Everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Well, about maybe six, eight months ago, things slowed down a little bit. I wasn't working as hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't have as much on my plate. Mm-hmm. And now a lot of this terrible abandonment and loss started coming through, and I didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And it's still, it's still here, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's better. But it, it's almost as though I really masked it through the overwork. Right. Right, and I think that that happens a lot. And I think that for women who become addicted, they mask it for years. Mm. And so they have that pain in there that they just never address. And and then when they're addicted, they get all this new pain on top of it because, yeah. you know, they do things they're ashamed of, society rejects them, um, they lose things, um, you know, they they lose jobs and families and relationships and they lose so much and they begin to to feel like you know I always was a bad person I'm still a bad person and even when they get clean and sober that feeling is still there um you know I I talked to one woman who said she her, her mother was very abusive she had a lot of anger issues and it was always taken out on the daughter and um she said to me I know in my head I'm a good person and I know that my mother had a lot of issues and that, you know, I was just, um, she, I was the person she took them out on. I know that in my head, but in my heart, I'm still that bad little girl. And mm. years and years later, those feelings can stay with us. Mm. Yeah. So the question is then, how do you heal that? Because there's something you said before when you talked about how it's tough to deal with the feelings. And I can tell you, 
it's not easy to deal with those feelings. No. Because when they come up, and I'm speaking for me, but I know I'm not alone, mm-hmm. they're paralyzing. They are paral. I mean, it, it's almost as though I feel like I'm falling off a cliff. Mm. It's, it's a really, it's just this, this feeling of, it's even hard to describe what it is. It goes through my whole body, and it well, stays with me for a while. And I well, work through it. I mean, I work through it, and right. I do things, and I work through it, but... It's an awful, awful feeling. And I can mm-hmm. see, quite frankly, and I want to say this not in defense of not in defense <laughs> of addiction, but I understand it. Right. So um, I kind of lost you there a tiny bit, Patricia. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think what what I was just saying, I guess what I was saying to you is that in asking you for your wisdom on this is that Dealing with those feelings are very, very difficult. I can understand why people mask them. Right. Oh, I can too. And I've had my own issues with substance abuse. There was a time, um, I I was never married, but I lived with the father of my children for 22 years. And, you know, it went from a very passionate relationship to one that was very difficult. And I would get drunk and, and then all my frustrations would come out. So... I know what it's like to try to escape feelings, you know, through substances or, or behaviors. And I don't think, honestly, I don't believe there's any way that, that those feelings ever disappear. I think we just learn to understand yeah. them differently. Yeah. I yes. think that for, for those of us who have been wounded, that pain always become, is a part of us. It doesn't mm-hmm. go away. But we can understand it differently. I I agree with you, and and, and I agree with you, and I want to add that for me, what happens now is I'll feel that, and I work Mm -hmm. through it much quicker, Mm -hmm. and I also find I don't blame or shame, I just look at what's going on, and I also look at my growth, Mm -hmm. how a year ago or three years ago, I wouldn't have reacted the way I do today, Mm -hmm. so I'm always very helpful. Mm -hmm. I think that... um Early on in recovery, we're afraid to even talk about those feelings. I, I know I have a therapist that I've visited off and on for years. You know, when things get kind of, um, I don't know, complicated for me, I, I'll consult her and sort of work through it with her. But um, she told me that for many women, just talking about those most painful memories that we have, you know, that can take... Some, some women, years before they can even talk about it, because when they mm-hmm. talk about it, they feel like they're experiencing that, whatever that traumatic episode was, they feel like they're experiencing it again, so they do anything to avoid talking about it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. actually, so. when we talk about it, we can remove some of that terror, because we realize it's the past. And we do have control. What makes it scary is we have no control over something, and that's what's traumatizing. But when we can talk about it, mm-hmm. um, we realize we do have control over our life now. We're not that frightened person we were, that we can make choices. So let's so, talk about how, what your suggestions are to freeing those positive feelings of self-worth and integrity and independence. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that um, for many women with addictions, there's this core of shame, and that comes from being a child who was shamed or traumatized in some way. 
mm-hmm. then when we are addicted, if we behave in ways that, that go against our values, we're ashamed of that. So recognizing the, what I call the false self that emerged during our years of addiction, recognizing mm-hmm. that's not really us, because the false self that, that emerges is that person that does anything to maintain the addiction, you know, lie, manipulate, whatever it is. And that false self is not someone we like. I've had a lot of women tell me they actually hated themselves during their years of addiction. Mm-hmm. And, and they have to learn that that is not really who they are and, and mm-hmm. somehow reach in, listen to that self that's inside of them. So what you're saying, you just said something very, I think, very key. You said when we behave in a way that's against our values, mm-hmm. and we can't seem to control that, whether mm-hmm. it's, as you said, drinking, smoking, whether it's having an affair with somebody mm-hmm. unavailable, mm-hmm. or doing something, you know, or, or watching porn, or mm-hmm. shopping till we drop, and, right. and, you know, having credit card bills. So when we do that, and we can't seem to stop, Mm-hmm. And it seems to um, temporarily give us a high. It, it actually does. It triggers um, those same endorphins in our brain that, that, that um, you know, substances do. Behaviors can actually trigger those feelings. So what you're saying is we know then that that is an addiction. And that's very difficult to break. How have you watched people, or what are some of the stories about women who've broken those patterns that really give them that false high? Um, I've talked. I've. I have heard some. What I have to say are miraculous stories. One woman in particular um, was a heroin addict, prostitute, on wow. living on the streets for years, had abandoned her children. And her family had finally given up on her. And she'd been in and out of jail. And she explained to me that there wasn't one exact moment that made her decide to get clean, but it was a a cumulative thing. Mm -hmm. Different things that people said along the way, different experiences, where she began to see that there was the possibility that if she didn't change, that this was going to be her life forever. And then she encountered some women who had started a sober house, and she was the first resident there. And um, she said they had so much faith in her and so much trust in her that she felt like she couldn't let them down. And so she just stuck with her recovery, and as hard as it was. And eventually, this has been years now, she's been clean and sober probably 15 years, she changed her life and reunited see, with her children. But now I think children. there's something else that you said that was very key. I mean, you're bringing in all these pearls that I catch. And mm-hmm. one of them was when you said they trusted her, they mm-hmm. believed in her, yep. they accepted her, and she had never had that. You know, I think you're right. And I think that she was at a point in her life where she was ready to not take advantage of that, to hear that because she had been through so much difficulty. And when these people treated her with respect and trusted her, it, it tapped into what I think is her core self, that inner self that, that gets silent 
by addiction. Mm-hmm. And she tapped into that good person that she always was. Mm-hmm. And she became such an inspiration to uh, so many people and has helped so many people with their recovery. Do you also find, Beverly, that one of the things that happens in recovery is that as you get healthier, when you go back to the old behavior, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it you have a stronger reaction and it feels worse and you start to say, I don't like that. I don't want to feel that way anymore mm. because you value yourself more. Do you think that is mm. part of the recovery? Absolutely. I think that's a critical part of it. I think that um, once you're sort of attuned to, you, once you listen to your inner self, mm. if you're doing things that go against what you really believe in or what you really value, you get uncomfortable, you get uneasy, and so, yeah, maybe you go and um, you have a slip. I mean, slips and relapses are so common in recovery, but if you, if you listen to yourself, it doesn't um, take over. You say, no, this doesn't feel good. I don't feel good about the way I'm living, and I'm you know, going to get back on track. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think that our real self is in there to guide us. We just have to learn to listen to it. Yeah. So you really have seen a lot of inspiration, and that's really part of your book. Mm-hmm. sobriety, even after they are so-called sober in their behavior, but, but the emotions are still there. Right. And that is a challenge. That's a challenge because um, so many women that I talk to are, are you know, just incredible. They've survived a lot. And they have come so far, but they still don't feel good about themselves. They, in their heart, they still feel that they're unworthy of good things or that, that they'll never have that happiness that other people have. But I don't think that's just um, women who have had addictions who feel that. I think it's not that uncommon in our society for women to just not quite feel like they measure up. And I think it's because we have so many images of perfect women, you know, so-called perfect women all around us. And when we compare ourselves with that, we just quite are not quite that perfect. You know, um, <laughs> I, I, just, I just found a, something in your book that I thought was, it was a journal activity, and mm-hmm. it's in the chapter, Healing the Damaged Self. Mm-hmm. And it says, what secrets did your family keep when you were a child? What things were you not allowed to talk about? Mm. Would you say that that's very common among women that are struggling for emotional sobriety, that they had to keep secrets in childhood? I think, um, I'm trying to, to remember all the women I talked to, I think most of them had something that went on in their family. Mm-hmm. That you couldn't talk about. That they couldn't talk about it. No, it was too shameful. And I think mm-hmm. that set them up for living this double life where you present one face to the world and mm-hmm. you keep another self, you know, hidden. You and know, Oprah, just, of, Oprah did a show on that recently. Oh, really? And one of the things that she was saying is that when you do that, you mm-hmm. cannot live a full life. Absolutely. You will not move, you will not move forward when, you're, when you are hiding that and trying to be something else. Right, and I think that's so important um, because when we're trying to conceal a part of ourselves, that takes a lot of energy. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of our life energy is spent hiding who we are. Um, I talked to a woman who um, was dating a man and very, you know, it's a good relationship, but she's never told him about her, her addiction because she's afraid he'll reject her if, if, he, if she does. And yet, so she's never being quite authentic with him and she's always concealing this part of herself. And that takes energy that, and it puts up barriers in the relationship mm-hmm. because you don't truly connect unless you, unless you can be yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what, would your, what would your basic advice be for women who or whether it's a substance or whether it's a behavioral addiction mm-hmm. and they're not in it actively but those seeds are still there right, what, right. what would you say to them should they go into therapy should they have a support group should they explore their deepest feelings and how should they do that yeah all of the above <laughs> I think it's all important I think a support group is important and I think that's one of the strengths of the 12-step programs is, is that um, you do have an instant support group. And um, professional therapy can help you explore some of those feelings and understand them differently so they lose some of their power over you. Mm-hmm. And um, I also think trying new things, trying to step out of your, your comfort zone a little bit and mm-hmm. um, challenging yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Challenging yourself to grow in different ways. Mm-hmm. I think that that's um, a lot of women with substance addictions really never um, had those experiences that that we need to to grow up. You know, to face challenges, to learn resilience, to um, discover who we really are, because all of their energies were focused on using. Mm-hmm. So. Getting out there, trying something new, trying to see if there maybe are things about yourself that you don't even know yet. Mm -hmm. I I think all of that's helpful. Tell people how they can get your book and a little bit more about your work. Um, Well, it's available, you know, online in all the online bookstores. And um, uh, my work is really focusing on addiction, the effects of addiction. My first two books were for families who are dealing with an addicted loved one. Mm-hmm. That was my initial experience. My introduction to addiction, my daughter was a heroin addict, and that was mm-hmm. absolutely devastating, and um, I just felt like I had to know more about what was going on and how I could help her and how I could survive and not go absolutely crazy. So um, so that that book you know, came from my daughter's experiences. And then the, the second book was about the stages of recovery and why it's so hard for people to recover. Change is hard for everyone, and especially if you have an addiction that's chemically reinforced. So why, you know, what can we do to help someone who's in early recovery? What can we expect? Mm-hmm. And this book is specifically for women because um, I'm interested in women's issues and especially in how women can feel better about themselves. And how can people find your book? Um, well, it's available at the Hazelden Bookstore. That's the publisher of the book, and Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, all the major book outlets. 
And uh, do you do individual consults or coaching or therapy with people? I don't. I'm no, I don't. You're you're more I, of a freelance writer. Yes. Yes, I am. Okay. All right. And you know, you're a perfect example of you know using your experience to help and heal others. You you went through this and now you're writing about it to help other people. That's what I really wanted to do. Was uh, I was so fortunate. Um, when my daughter became addicted, I, I found a support group, an Aranon group, just like Al-Anon, and um, I don't think I could have survived without those people and who shared their wisdom and, and really were so supportive during those horrible, horrible years, actually. I was going to say months, but it went on for a long time. So, yeah, I think support is crucial, and I felt like... Not every person's going to go out and go to a meeting, but I want people to have that experience of feeling supported and knowing that they aren't alone. Thank you so much for being on the program. Really, it was wonderful, Beverly. It was great talking with you, Patricia. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And and uh, what's the website for the book? Um, I don't really have a website. I guess you would just go to Amazon.com and... Or they can go to Hazelton as well. Or Hazelton, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And look for uh, the recovering heart. The recovering heart. Emotional sobriety for women right. by Beverly Conyers. Yes. C O N Y E R S. Thanks so much again. Thank you. It was great talking with you. Thank you. All right, folks. Remember that closes our session for today. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Get the support you need. Contact me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com. I'd love to hear from you. The podcasts are all on the Voice America site. Just log in my name and you will see them. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin for Patricia Raskin Positive Living, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 